This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. Welcome to the last episode of Inside Marketing in 2019. At the end of each series, we talk to a leading industry figure. In our very first Inside Marketing Meets, we seek the views of Editor-in-Chief of global marketing publication DigiDay. Welcome to the show, Brian Morrissey. Hey, thanks, Aidan. It's great to have you here, man. I was thinking of a way to position today's show, and you have vast experience in publications, in marketing, in advertising. And there's an acronym that was introduced by the U.S. Army of War, the War College, and it's an acronym <laughs> called VUCA. Yes, there is a War College, and it's widely used in business today. It stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and ambiguity. And I think that pretty much characterizes our socio-political landscape, our business landscape, and definitely marketing, advertising, and publishing. And I'd love if you'd give your view on that. Yeah, I was trying to think where where Trump fits in the VUCA. Um, Probably all along that. Uh, No, I mean, I I think, you know, the story of digital has been one of volatility and change. and, And that just, that sort of just continues. I know I started covering this probably around you know, the year 2000, I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of positivity around the the changes that, that the internet was going to help foster in media. And I think there was a lot of naivete, really, that we're now sort of, you know, dealing with. So originally, when, you know, the internet was going to be this flowering of, um, you know, it's going to democratize everything, it's going to democratize publishing, it was going to democratize advertising, we were going to have all these different views and we were going to be more informed rather than just having a few newspapers. And, and now I think we're in this sort of trough of disappointment. We have, you know, more misinformation than ever. People don't know more seemingly than they did 20 years ago. Um, they seem to, to, to know less. We can't even agree on basic facts. The advertising landscape itself, you know, is, is beset with, with all kinds of fraud. So I think right now it's in a period of where, how do we fix some of the issues that have arisen from some bad choices that were made? You know, in retrospect, it's easy to say. You know, you reminded me of a quote by Darwin that's always thrown out at, you know, when people talk about transformation or innovation, and it's that it's not the strongest of the species that survives, it's the one that's most adaptable to change. But there's a second quote from the same book, The Origin of the Species, which is in the long history of humankind and animal kind too, those who learn to collaborate and improvise most effectively have prevailed. And for me, that's one of the things that have been totally lacking. We tried to compete even more when all this VUCA came around, all this volatility, instead of collaborating and in ways let in new players because we couldn't agree among ourselves. Yeah, that's true. It's funny because like, um, on this one, I always think that like um, European Europeans are more into collaboration than Americans, I think, in some ways. Just because the... Because I know, like, you know, there's a lot of talk, you know, we, we have a UK office there and certainly cover the European market. But, um, you know, there's there's more talk about collaboration among, like, players in the industry, I feel like, than here where where um, people are out there trying to kill each other. Like, that's their first and third, first, second, third option. And we also have different laws that, you know, um, actually keep publishers from, from collaborating. Because I think, you know, one of the stories we've had over the last, you know, several years, clearly, both um, in the United States and Europe, is the dominance of these tech platforms and what can be done. You know, there's the idea of, of publishers collaborating themselves into an alternative. Um, 
you know, but I think we're getting to to the reality, and I think Europe really led the way with GDPR, where you know government intervention is clearly needed in in a market that is not functioning properly. Um, and yeah, you know, this I, I think this is sort of un, unheard of, or you know, I think people sort of didn't really even think about the idea of these tech platforms being broken up um, just a couple of years ago, and now this is a this is a real possibility. So I think, you know, looking forward to 2020, we're, there is going to be a lot more action on the government side to rein in the tech platforms. I think that's going to have a, a giant impact on the overall market. Yeah, well, I f- always find it interesting, for example, even Amazon. So Amazon Web Services, they didn't set out to go after publishing or advertising, which is now a burgeoning business in Amazon. They set out to create platforms for themselves. And when the, when the needs didn't exist, they created them. And then on top of that, they go, okay, what else can we use this for? Meanwhile, yeah. publishers who focused on content, which they were good at, just fell by the wayside when it came to technology and digital platforms. Yeah, that's definitely uh, been the story of the last several years. I think, look, a lot of publishers looked at platforms originally as, as saviors. And, and you can see... You can see the attractiveness of that. Um, you know, platforms were going to offer uh, publishers access to audiences that they could never dream to have reached otherwise. I mean, the the number of people you can reach through platforms um, has been un- unbelievable, unimaginable. Um, you know, and the the bargain was that you know the business model would come later. Let's uh, let's build it, and then the, then then it'll come. Um, and obviously, that didn't happen. Um, so all these all these big numbers were pretty much pretty much worthless, right? So I think in the last couple of years, and we're going to continue to see that, is you know publishers are really kind of getting back to basics. Um, I think building diversified business models that are not dependent on technology platforms as much as possible is you know it's a global trend, and I think it's it's one that overall is healthy. I think if we're going to sort of go back and and say some mistakes that were made um, with this industry. You know, one of it was this idea that content needed to be free. Um, you know, that the idea was that advertising would would be the overwhelming uh, majority of revenue because the numbers would be so much bigger. You could reach so many more people. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people looked at the amount of money that was spent on advertising versus the amount of time or amount of money that was spent on internet advertising versus the amount of time that was spent on the internet. There's that Mary Meeker slide everyone showed and a big, a big gap between the two. And the idea was that, Oh, well the gap is going to narrow and, and that money is going to go into uh, digital media. I mean, the gap did narrow. It has, it has closed. Um, There is no gap really anymore. You could argue that more money is spent on internet advertising than actual time spent. However, the money went to Google and Facebook and Amazon. It didn't go to publishers. Yeah, and one of the things digital and the internet brought was an abundance and access to content. And as you said, the democratization of it. And with that, with every new abundance comes a new scarcity. One of the ones you mentioned is trust. But the flip side of that then, when there was abundance, there was a lack of value because I always think of the diamond industry, for example, creating scarcity, even if there's not one there, creates value. And this was one of the problems because digital advertising was so accessible and the CPM model, cost per thousand, meant that people got it for nothing. And, th- and then we just competed on price and 
I don't know what publishers are paying now, but it's very, very minimal, especially when publishing is being bought or digital advertising is being bought on digital platforms. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the technology platforms are the great commoditizers of our time. Everything that tech, tech touches commoditizes. Um, and so um, I, I remember there was actually a great book that John Battelle wrote many years ago um, called The Search about the rise of Google. And it was early on in Google. Um, and uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin went to see Mel Karmazin, who at the time was the CEO of CBS, and they were explaining exactly what they did with their their advertising and how um, how advertisers only paid when people took an action that they wanted them to take. And Mel Carvison was not having it. He said, "He said I won't curse on your podcast." Yeah, can, man. The, <laughs> he said, "You're fucking with the magic boys, <laughs> big time." <laughs> because because you know the when you know when people like Jeff Bezos you know say hey your margin is my opportunity what they're doing is you know they're taking they're taking away margin and this is what technology does it commoditizes um and i think that can be really beneficial in a lot of markets that um you know need that kind of uh change i don't i don't know the situation with uber there but like you know look the the taxi industry was was sort of coasting along and was is at least in New York City, is a bit of a scam, really. And, mm. um, you know, they really opened up some some inefficiencies in the market and have changed it. Um, and, and you see this uh, in many different areas. I think where it's sort of dangerous is when it goes into, into publishing because you're seeing, um, you know, th- there's a democratic function of, of a free press and, and not having the business model taken away. You can blame publishers a, um, a lot for this. But it has some real, real serious uh, implications that I think we're seeing played out, I know, here in the United States with our own political system, but across the world. You mentioned about going back and fixing some old mistakes. And if we could jump in a DeLorean and fill it up with some plutonium and go <laughs> back, one of the things I saw and what I witnessed hugely, and I'd love your opinion on this, was traditional sales of media, for example, so the paper ad or the on-air linear radio advertising, trying to bundle in digital and then actually offering it basically for free. And meanwhile, you had yeah. the digital salesperson battling, going, this is going to be our future. You can't give it away. I had this where I fought for high CPMs and I was like, going, once you drop the price, you're screwed and you have to create a scarcity. You have to create it around high quality content, et cetera, et cetera. Again, you're seen as a chicken little and the sky's falling down. This has been one of the major problems that happened. And once one person does it, then everybody goes, oh, well, if we don't do it, we're not going to get any of the digital spend. And everybody's down in the doldrums. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes a race to the bottom. I mean, I think there's it's kind of like, to me, like if you go all the way back, there's sort of three original sins, if you will. Like, um, you know, one was, you know, all content should be free. I think that was a gigantic mistake. Two I think overemphasis on the click. I think, you know, when the first banner ad ran, it said, you know, have you clicked? You will. And then, you know, for a new medium looking for credibility and looking for differentiation, you know, internet advertising positioned itself as a direct response medium. And, you know, that became a big mistake because the technology platforms with the amount of data they're able to, to collect are the best DR mechanisms ever created and so publishers simply cannot compete on dr but 
they sort of built the system around direct response. And the final thing to me is separation of the audience data from the media impression from the ad impression. And so, you know, it was a clever trick. And I know over the years it was, you know, you'd always hear you know, ad buyers saying that, you know, soon, you know, if you're advertising dog food, you'll you'll only be you'll only be putting your ads in front of people that own pets, you know, because we're gonna ha- have all this information. It doesn't matter where they are. Well, that just devalued. It devalued the context. And the pendulum swung so far away from context and towards behavioral and audience attributes. And again, it just played into the technology platform strengths. Yeah, and it's one of those terms, atomization. So this is one of the problems when we, all publishers, because of pressure, and not from the digital people, pressure from the board, pressure from people who didn't really understand it, to go, we need our numbers and vanity metrics, we need the equivalent to Facebook likes, we need more page impressions. You're kind of going, why? Because they're not even selling as they are. So let's create scarcity yeah. rather than I mean, quantity. Yeah, for all the like external pressures, look, I mean, a lot... Publishers, uh, you know, have a lot of, you know, a lot of blame to take on themselves for for short term outlooks and 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 taking shortcuts and, um, you know, like the the user experiences on most uh, newspaper websites is, is horrific, um, and you can blame the commoditization of advertising, but at some point, you know, you got to take responsibility for your own product, um, and, you know, we're finally seeing some uh, publishers really uh, begin to. To look at how they're treating their users, but it's it's been a real problem, and I think that that feeds into this this trust deficit. I mean, it's it's on all sides. You, know, you have advertisers don't trust their agencies. You know, agencies aren't trusting publishers. Nobody trusts platforms, and and really, users don't trust uh, publishers or platforms. They don't they don't trust what they're seeing. They don't trust that the ads that that are, uh, are surrounding the content are not like infecting their computer or um, all of a sudden playing some loud video. Yeah. It's a problem. Awful, awful experience. And that, that trust, I mean, it's the bedrock of any organizational success of people getting on together, of trusting each other. And then in this world of VUCA, like we opened with, you need trust as a basic mechanism for success. Otherwise, you're absolutely screwed. You, you mentioned some of the ways that we could look forward to a positive outcome. So <laughs> it'd be great to share some some heroes or some exemplars of people who are doing it right or publishers who are doing it right or advertisers who are doing it right? I think in publishing, the ones that are doing it right are kind of the ones who are are nailing the basics in some ways. I think, you know, we're seeing like a market in which there's a lot of sort of general interest publications that are are struggling. But I think that there is, um, there's another class that sometimes doesn't get enough attention, um, which is, you know, people that zero in on a specific audience and build a real community around it. It might not be as big of a community or as big as an audience as um, as some other sites have. But you know, if you have a really strong community, um, you can build a really good business still in media. Um, and it can be around like you know passion areas. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of focus on B two B now because that's always been the heart of B two B. I think in a lot of the struggles in in media, um, you know, B two B has not has been I wouldn't say insulated from it, but they've been positioned better than a lot of big consumer publications. Um, 
Because once you have a community, you can make money in a whole bunch of different ways from them that don't, that aren't advertising. Um, you know, we're seeing like a lot of publishers, like say in like the food area that are able to then like sell cookware to their community that are able to charge for access to recipes and videos. And I think the key there is that you need a community. And I think what a lot of publishers lost sight of was this chase for these big numbers and scale. They didn't really have a community. They, they thought they had a giant audience, but it really wasn't even their audience. It was Facebook's audience. I just think that the small is sort of the new beautiful in some ways is because like there are some really, really successful businesses out there that aren't the biggest, but they're serving like a real need with an audience and then building a community that allows them to make money in a whole bunch of different ways, including directly. I mean, that's, that's the most important thing these days. Like if you can make money directly from your audience, that's so much better than relying on advertising. Yeah. So this idea of first party data and like you have your own podcast and the idea of a podcast mm -hmm. is you choose to listen to that. It's not a passive listen. So you'll tolerate an advertising. And as Scott Galloway, who was a guest on my own show, The Innovation Show, he says advertising is a tax on the poor in a subscription economy. And the only way to create a subscription economy is the bedrock of trust. And then, as you say, build a community that wants to listen to your content and therefore will tolerate maybe one or two ads because they understand that's why they're getting it. Yeah, I think when you look at podcasting as one of the bright spots, I think, of like an advertising landscape. But part of it is it's still kind of new, even though it's not really that new, but like sort of had a second wind. But also because it's more about depth and not breadth. And, you know, the numbers for podcasts are not the gigantic numbers that people were bragging about when it came to like Facebook newsfeed videos and stuff. But there's a depth to it. You know, someone's spending 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes listening. It's a more personal experience. I know I'm sure you'd experience it. Like, you know, people are like, oh, I listen to you all the time. It's like, yeah. I know your voice. And it's like, that's different. That's a different, more personal, I think. And I think that's the advantage. And that's why advertisers gravitate towards it. It's pull rather than push. And I think that's a key mindset to have when yeah. you're creating content like this. And finally, Brian, what would you suggest for the industry here? So if you had one message to give to publishers, advertisers, agencies and marketers alike here in Ireland, here in Europe, what would you say? I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for me, again, and it goes back to, to community, I really do believe, you know, building communities uh, is a really powerful thing for both sides, for you know, I think it's powerful for the publishing side uh, to build like a diversified business model, but also for advertisers, you know, I mean, the, look, the scale, the scale part of advertising is always going to be really important. And when it comes to, to digital, that for the most part is Google and Facebook and Amazon, like that's it, like competing on a scale for a publisher or even like, it just doesn't really make sense. But I think that like, you know, publishers that build strong communities, um, you know, it can be around like sneakers or it can be uh, an industry community or it can be around food. They have a connection to their audience and their community that, you know, the platforms simply don't. I think they can work like sort of hand in hand in some ways. But I think where the struggle is, is the publishers who rely on scale as their main selling point to advertisers, because it's just too easy to buy scale in digital media right now. Brilliant, Brian. So where can people find out more about your podcast, for example, Digiday, et cetera? Well, Digiday, if anyone is 
wants to, please do visit us. So we're at digiday.com. You know, we're based here in New York. You know, we have an office in London and they cover the broader European market from there. My podcast is a Digiday podcast. Every week we have a new guest that is usually from the media industry. I like to focus on the media industry and, and all the changes going on there in which we talk about the future. Editor-in-Chief of Digiday, Brian Morrissey, thank you for joining us and happy Christmas. Cool, you too. Thanks, Aidan. Thanks, man. Thank you to our partners, Irish Times Media Solutions, Dentsu, Aegis Network, and the team here at Collaborative Studios. And for me, have a great Christmas and a happy new year.